Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Alongside former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter, here's Alex Strofe. Good morning. Welcome into The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand in the ESPN Madison Studios. In for Alex Strofe, my name is Jesse Nelson. And it is my pleasure to be joined by former Wisconsin Athletic Director and all-around superstar. It is Pat Richter, as always. Pat, good morning. Thanks for having me fill in for Alex today. Appreciate catching up with you. Morning, Jesse. It's been a long time. Uh, you're doing well, and uh, it's nice to be talking to you. Excellent. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm fantastic, and it's a pleasure to be catching up with you once again here as well. And uh, I wish we were talking about Wisconsin winning an NIT championship because there were so many fun things that came up on our shows throughout the week here on ESPN Madison, ESPN Wisconsin with uh, do you hang a banner if in the Kohl Center if you win the NIT championship? Where does the trophy go? How much should it be celebrated? And instead... Wisconsin goes scoreless in the final nine minutes and seven seconds in a loss to North Texas. At least North Texas went on and won the whole thing on Thursday night. So we got that going for us. We lost to the champs. But, Pat, what were you thinking as you watched the great start to the game on Tuesday night, the NIT semifinal for the Badger men's basketball team, and ultimately not even getting a made free throw in the final 9.07 of regulation? What was going through my mind is, is it probably should have went to bed at halftime. Uh, I mean, that was, it was bizarre. I mean, it's just, it's hard to believe. I mean, I, you'd, you'd like to think that you or I could get, you know, get a two pointer in there someplace along the line, but it was just such a complete change and turnaround. I mean, I, uh, Chucky in the first half, he was kind of like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me the ball. And the second half just was entirely different. Charlie changed. And they, they, of course made a, an adjustment uh, with Hunterberry, I think it was named, and uh, took over for uh, guarding Chucky and yeah. shut him down. And you know, I, I surprised myself of thinking about how many shots he missed. Well, I, I mean, how many shots did he even take? Well, I guess it was seven, but I couldn't believe it was that many. It was kind of at the end, it was kind of frantic, and it was kind of a, you know, Klesman. They kind of tied him up. He was usually pretty much a go-to guy, and Asijin uh, kind of continued his his tough shooting mark, but he got one at the right time, and but we just couldn't hang on. It was the last score that we made, and uh, it was it was really just a disappointment because uh, they just didn't look the same. I don't know what happened at halftime. Sometimes you think, well, it's a little bit too easy. Uh, you, you hate to blame that on the, the, the team because the, the coaches can take care of that and say, hey, look, this is half over and they've uh, held everybody in the, the season and they averaged to 50 uh, some points and uh, well you know we should be able to score more than 15 or 16 points but it's, it's hard to get that out of your mind and they of course had a very aggressive bunch as a team and uh, we just couldn't you know, the big guys couldn't be uh, effective and uh, they dropped in and kind of surrounded them every time they touched the ball and then when you got to kick it out and the guys can't hit the shot, you're not going to be productive. And and the other the disappointment was it just seemed like at the end, because of what had happened up to that point, the previous nine minutes, that uh, it just seemed like everybody wanted to get rid of the ball. It was like a hot potato. Nobody wanted to take a shot. And that was disappointing because somebody had to take charge of the leadership and, if nothing else, just to take a 
go right to the basket with Wall and uh, and, and, th- and kind of dare him to co- guard yeah. him and and not get a foul and uh, and he's he's strong enough and, and go up in both arms and just mm-hmm. wish a foul on him and so <laughs> but you know it's uh, that's the way it ended up but kind of like saying well. This was one of those games with the twenty-some five-point games that we've had, and some we win some, lose some, and this one was one lost. But I think it left a real bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It sure did. Thirteen points scored in the second half for Wisconsin in the loss to North Texas on Tuesday night in the NIT semifinal. They had forty-one in the first half. They only scored thirteen points in the final twenty minutes, including none. In the final nine oh seven, Pat Richter show on one hundred point five ESPN. Yeah, it was crazy, Pat. I was I was thinking when the, when the score was wrapping up, ramping up in the first half. I was thinking, boy, did the prognosticators miss this one? They're saying, <laughs> well, this is a low scoring, methodical. Both teams are very similar. They just plotting and they don't score, and they rack up forty some points in the first half, and an unmarked to hit seventy five or eighty points. And then to come out the way it did is just completely a, a counter to what you're thinking. And so oh. it was such a dramatic change. It was just, we hate to sit there, sit there and watch and you say, "Well, it's going to change. They're going to get they're going to get a fast break. They're going to get a layup. And boom, boom, no blocks." And it just never happened. And you just you made drained your energy because you kept wishing everything was going to be all right and just get get two points. That's all you need, and uh, it just couldn't happen. I was watching with a friend, and uh, he was pointing out that the uh, over-under point total for the game, and being in Vegas, I guess it's appropriate to point out that it was 115. 115 was the over-under's total points. So when you're sitting at 70 in the first half, you're thinking, okay, well, that's a lot more than expected. And then, sure enough, the second half plays out the way that it did, and what a disappointment it was. But, Pat, it it does kind of feel like – in a sad way, with the ups and downs that the Wisconsin men's basketball team had this year, including some of those great performances, especially early in the season, but then some of the struggles down the stretch, this was kind of an appropriate ending in a sad way for what this season was for the team here in Madison. Yeah, it was uh, appropriate. I think the thing you look back on in terms of saying, was uh, was that that big of a an episode in terms of when uh, Tyler sprained his ankle, and then Klesmith was out for a little bit of time. But when uh, Tyler Ball went out, there everything was really humming. Now maybe we were just overachieving. Maybe it was early in the season and other teams weren't uh, being as effective as they would be uh, towards the end, like Kansas and uh, teams like that. But it was an exciting brand of basketball, and and. Uh, the young guys, uh, Sejan was doing well, and everything just seemed to be clicking. And when that happened, and we took a team that didn't have much depth, it really exposed itself. I mean, I think when you, you when you had Wall in there and and uh, Crawl, and the Crawl, it kind of asserted himself, and that's what we were missing towards the end of the season. He had a couple of glimmers in there in terms of really taking the ball to the basket and being forced in there, and. Uh, Everybody's saying, well, gee, maybe this is a, a Kaminsky showing here type of thing. But that didn't happen. And then Wall never really was uh, the same. And I, I, ankle injuries are not easy to come back from. And uh, and he really suffered a lot. And uh, But it's just sometimes he just seemed to want to do too many things, and then we uh, turned it over. And uh, we're driving to the basket, and everybody then picked it up on that. And just like 
last year they kind of changed their way of guarding Johnny Davis, and he was really had a tough road to hoe in the second half of the season after everybody got used to what was going to happen because they didn't have anybody else that they could go to. And when Chucky is hot, he's really on top of things. And uh, it just it just was disappointing in that respect that, that somebody couldn't step up and do it. I mean, Lindsey got a basket and tried to get it going, and that didn't happen. And and they just out-rebounded uh, us. They were out-quicked us. They were out-sped. And, and, and it really was uh, not anywhere along the lines of what they were in the beginning of the season. That was uh, gave everybody such great hope that, that things were going to change. And then when Wall went down, uh, nobody expected it would be that big of an impact, but it was. Yeah, it was um, just a disappointing ending to the season. And now as we close the the book and and move on to the next chapter of Wisconsin men's basketball. I think everybody's on the same page now as much as there was, you know, emotion running rampant during the middle of the season with the struggles. Greg Gard's not going anywhere. He's going to have a chance to bounce this thing back next year. Transfer portal's always an interesting uh, situation. We already see a few players. Jordan Davis announcing he's entering the transfer portal. Uh, We'll see what Wisconsin's able to bring in in that sense for next season. But, Pat, as you look to next year and as we close the book on the 2022-23 Wisconsin men's basketball team, what do you think the overall narrative, the overall story will be here throughout this offseason looking ahead to next year? Well, I think we've been kind of uh, spoiled a little bit in the sense that we've always been uh, regarded as being a kind of a middle-range team and and Dick Bennett and Bo uh, and, and Greg have kind of said, how did they do that? They, they didn't have anything. They were picked ninth. They came in fourth and uh, or won the title and uh, did really well in the tournament, got a bid, and all those things. Really, uh, we've been kind of led down a path, so to speak, of being that's the expectation. And when something like this happens, and it's probably, you know, the ninth, they were picked ninth in the league by the coaches and other uh, prognosticators when they had preseason, and it really came true. And uh, now you got to look in the mirror and say, what was it? Was it the question of over uh, overestimating the talent? Did we, uh, as coaches, do something we should uh, sh- should have done, or do something we should have done? And the players and find out just where it is and kind of just just take it apart piece by piece and put it back together again. It's going to be uh, difficult. I mean, the transfer portal it sounds like there's an awful lot of players in there, and there's some Wisconsin people that uh, that uh, could be helpful, it seems. But, you know, this this last game is going to be uh, kind of a thorn in the side. I mean, negative recruiting is, uh, is going to be rampant, I would guess, in terms of saying, hey, you know, you couldn't close it off and uh, you're better off here, things like this. So there's an awful lot of work to do there. And certainly you're going to be able to get – some guys that are that they select uh, the transfer portal that fits their style and the game and things like that, and uh, but it's you know, you've got locker room situations that they fit all those things. There's a lot of question marks in it, so it's gonna it's gonna be very difficult. This is gonna be a real test of the the strength of uh, going into the portal and finding people that fit your style. And uh, everybody seemed to have done it, have done it as well. And and this year, I think that the Final Four reflects that. That has flattened out the curve a little bit in terms of uh, the talent, and that uh, 
the transfer portal has made average teams better and and uh, some click and some didn't and we just uh, we just were a little bit thin we didn't really have anybody from last year that we could put, count on mm-hmm. and so this year it's going to be I'm sure Greg's going to be much more aggressive yeah, it it kind of used up the uh, the kind of get out of jail free card. I think for Greg Gardy, he's built up all this credibility over the last several seasons. Big Ten uh, regular season champions a couple of years. So now you have a down year. Next year's the prove it year. So we'll see if Coach Gard and the Badgers are able to bounce back. Curious to see what the off season will hold. It's the Pat Richter Show on one hundred point five ESPN, the ESPN app in Wisconsin on demand. Jesse Nelson alongside the former Badger athletic director Pat Richter with you this morning. Alex Stroh. We'll be back next week to host the show. Coming up next, uh, some more Badgers news from the course of this week. Of course, spring football practice continuing as Luke Fickle's launch of his era continues and a new head men's hockey coach in town. We'll talk about it with Pat Richter. Coming up next, it's the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN. Back in on the Pat Richter Show on your Saturday morning, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app in Wisconsin on demand. Jesse Nelson in for Alex Strofe this week, along with former Badgers athletic director Pat Richter, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app in Wisconsin on demand. And as we continue with Pat here this morning, we talked about the Badgers and coming up just short in the NIT semifinal on Tuesday night in Las Vegas. So as we look ahead to what's next for Wisconsin men's basketball, we also look ahead to what's next for two of the other prominent men's sports at the University of Wisconsin. Let's talk for a moment, Pat. Uh, the launch, the Luke Fickle era of Wisconsin football. We're into week number two of the spring practices as the launch continues. And uh, as we've talked with Brad Nortman, former punter, among others that have been on 100.5 ESPN the last couple of weeks. Tarek Sala mentioned it earlier this week when he was guest hosting Rutledge and Hamilton with me. This is probably the most anticipated off-season program, the most anticipated spring practice regimen of any Wisconsin football team ever, including the year that Barry Alvarez was hired at the University of Wisconsin, if you ask me. So, Pat, uh, where do you stand on how your level of excitement and intrigue uh, stands as we continue with spring practices here into week number two in Madison? Well, I think some of this, uh, Jesse, is based on the fact that starting from a different stri- uh, point of addition uh, in, in terms of where they are, uh, you know, I think that certainly when they let Paul go, the cupboard wasn't bare. There were certain things that were needed to be changed and things like this, and so it's it was uh, it was not like when Barry came in. We said, you know, there's no place to go but up, and uh, I don't think it was quite that situation here. But I've just been amazed in terms of uh, the amount of uh, uh, publicity and articles and things like this. And I mean, that's really impressive in terms of uh, wanting the people who want to know what's all about. In terms of, I think that these assistant coaches gotten more ex- uh, exposure in terms of this uh, hire as uh, any long-term uh, exposure in terms of co- any staffs in the, be- in the past. Generally, it's been the coaches' staff and the, the head coaches taking the kind of the, the lead on everything like that, but it seems like they've spread around. And I think in terms of making sure that people are uh, – uh, you know, uh, attuned to what's happening in the football. I think that certainly, you know, uh, Luke is a, kind of an outgoing person, 
and uh, I think everything is is uh, being laid out there in terms of okay, this is what we've got, uh, and so the, everybody's expectation is ratcheted up. I think the more you know about players and the people and things like this, the, the more you'll be engaged in the in the in the, the fandom, so to speak, of the of the, the tea season, and I think that's good. It's uh, the schedule is not bad considering the only the real tough one is Ohio State, which is of course going to be real tough. But otherwise, it's it's not as tough a schedule as we had in the past, mm-hmm. and so I think the expectations are, are much higher, and and maybe justifiably so. But I think it, you know, this whole jumbling around with the conferences and eventually when having UCLA and uh, and. Yeah, the USC uh, coming in, too. And yeah. USC mm-hmm. coming in is going to be a little bit different, and uh, so I think that uh, it's probably a good thing to do. I mean, generally speaking, when you have this kind of exposure and to get people to understand who what's all involved and all the moving parts, that there's uh, a little bit longer leash in terms of uh, expectations, just because now people understand this is not a simple game. It's not as easy as going out saying, well. We've got this person, this person, whatever. You have to understand, and I keep saying over the years, just saying you have to understand that the the guy that's across the line from you is doing the same thing you're doing. You're not just trying to get better in a vacuum and not having anybody else doing the same thing, but everybody is uh, has got the same thing in mind in terms of improving themselves to get to be in the championship, and that's what it's all about. You know, you you don't really uh, you have the this disbelief that the fact that the season is very important and with all the changes that have been taking place, albeit, you know, with the football and then with uh, uh, the the, the uh, hockey and things mm-hmm. like this, there's uh, the expectations of people are much different than they were back when we started. It was, you know, when we came along at that point, there was the, this generation that kind of been used to losing and then the expectations changed as along the way as it got better and better and better. And then uh, all of a sudden we find we're 30 years out in terms of that initial success in Rose Bowl and things like that. And and people are now looking forward to success, and it doesn't come so easy anymore. And, but yet there's, there, that's all they're used to. So it's a different generation, and so it's you have to plan accordingly, and you have to deal with them accordingly, and so it's uh, it's going to be it's certainly as exciting. There's no question about it, and I think that everybody's going to be very enthused in terms of watching uh, Luke Fickle and his way he operates. Uh, I've got a chance to know Mark D'Antonio mm. a little bit here this, this spring, and uh, he was a former coach at, at Michigan State, and and he uh, uh, was talking about uh, Luke Fickle, and he speaks very, very highly of him. He was uh, a grad assistant on his staff at Ohio State when he was on the staff there, so he knows him quite well and uh, very engaging. I mean, it's we were just having to play a game of golf, and uh, and he said, "Here, just talk to somebody on the phone." And he just hands me the phone. It's Luke Fickle, so I first, <laughs> so I introduced him. But the only time I first had a chance to chat with him was on the phone in a, from a golf course. He handed it to me to Mark D'Antonio, but he, he speaks very highly of him, and I think that uh, Mark's a good uh, 
was a good coach and he's a gentleman and I think that he knows talent when he sees it and so there's a kind of an affirmation of uh, everything with respect to uh, you know the the type of person he is and engaging and and uh, and I think that this personality is going to be much different than that and uh, you know we'll uh, hopefully be very successful and uh, and you don't have to keep going through this iteration very long and and continuously anyways but uh, <laughs> but I think that uh, bodes well for the the season and, and certainly uh, everybody's kind of taking a peek under the tent to see how they're going to be and who the persons, uh, people are in terms of expectations and and the people that uh, are going to be the ones that are going to carry the mail, so to speak. And and it seems like they've got a, rather uh, they've gathered everybody around in the, on the side of the, the, the coaching staff and things like that, so that they there's not going to be a lot of surprises. It's just going to be good hard nosed football. So it's the Pat Richter Show at 100.5 ESPN at Wisconsin on demand. Jesse Nelson in for Alex Strofe along with former Badger Athletic Director Pat Richter. So let me get this straight, Pat. We'll, we'll talk about hockey in a moment here. i got to follow up on this. You're telling me that the first conversation that you had with new Wisconsin head football coach Luke Fickle, you're on the golf course with the former Michigan State head football coach Mark D'Antoni, and, and, and he answers the phone. And then hands it over to you and says, "Hey, it's your your new football coach up there in Madison. Here you go." And he, he answered to you. Have a conversation with Vic that way. More or less, that was the way it was. Yeah, I, <laughs> he, I'm not sure whether he, uh, he. I didn't see him. Whether he called him and because uh-huh. I was there, and he said, "Hey, <laughs> talk to him." But the. But it was uh, probably as much of a surprise to him as it was for me. <laughs> How long did we had you a good talk conversation to him? Yeah. So, so, like, are you, be- are you between holes? Like, you holding up other foursomes behind you because you're getting to know the new football coach? We're, we were just on? getting ready to get to the tee. And so, uh, <laughs> here, here's somebody to call over here. Of course, it was, it was nice to talk to him in any, in any circumstances. So I said, well, hopefully, we'll get a chance to meet to get back in, uh, in the area and have a chance to say hello. That's awesome. That's so, I mean, a he was, story. He was probably as surprised as I was, but he handled it very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another reason to have confidence in Coach Fick leading the Badger football team forward. No doubt about that. That's amazing. The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Uh, Jesse Nelson in for Alex Strofe along with Pat Richter. Coming up next, uh, want to get Pat's thoughts on the new head men's hockey coach. In Madison, Mark Hastings hired this week to take over the men's hockey program after Tony Granado was let go earlier uh, this month. We'll talk a little bit about the new guy leading the men's hockey program and what it can mean to help turn that program back to its winning ways. It's the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. on the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. In for Alex Strofe this week, my name's Jesse Nelson, joined by former Badgers athletic director and all-around superstar at the University of Wisconsin. He is Pat Richter, as you hear every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on 100.5 ESPN. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the Pat Richter Show podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin On Demand, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We've talked about Wisconsin men's basketball and their finish in the NIT and their season coming to a close. We've talked about spring practices continuing as the launch of the Luke Fickle era for the football team gets underway. Well, Pat, there's another new man in town, and he's the leader of the men's hockey program, uh, Mike Hastings. 
announced as the new head coach of the Wisconsin men's hockey program a little bit earlier this week. And if there's anything we need to know about Hastings, he is a winner. He has led his teams to winning records in all 25 seasons that he has served as a head coach in college hockey. That includes the last 11 seasons at Minnesota State, where he's been to eight NCAA tournaments, two Frozen Fours in 2021 and 2022, and in 22 they made it all the way into the NCAA title game. It sounds like this guy is a winner, and as difficult as it will be to replace the personality and the leader that Tony Granato was of the men's hockey program, it sounds like Mike Hastings might just be the guy to take over. Yeah, exactly, and I think that the the thing that first comes to mind is the fact that they Minnesota State, of course, the old man Cato, and we always knew that they were a very strong program, and they'd come down here and upset everybody, and and so, uh, you know, he was part of that. And so the main thing that you, I'm sure that he's going to probably have to deal with is the difference in the size of the institution, the academics and things like this, and some of the administrative uh, things that are going to be on top of his plate. Uh, no question. I, I've often wondered, I said, well, why is it that the Mankatos or the Minnesota States or Duluth or Bemidji's or St. Cloud always get uh, the better talent, maybe not always, but better talent that we get. And sometimes that's talent that's not going to go to the NHL. It's going to be uh, just staying there for four years. You know, certainly that happens. But uh, is it a question of uh, coach? Is it a question of size of school? Is it a question of academics? What is it that prevents I mean, you, wouldn't you, as a hockey player, say, geez, I'd love to play in the Kohl Center and, uh, in front of 15,000, 16,000 fans? And, and, of course, we don't see that today, and that's something that we'll have to try to get back to. But the question is, you know, what, what attracted them to come to that school? You know, the, the Badgers have had a reputation or certainly a success of people going to the NHL and uh, maybe cutting short their career at the Badgers in terms of maybe one year, two years, and then leave, and things three or whatever it might be. And then they're not there, and then you have to re- reload and get some more guys in there. And uh, and sometimes I always thought because they were – they were recruited in Canada and places like that, and, and that's really what it boils down to is recruitment. And I think that that's uh, where some of the things went sideways with the previous staff. It's just that there was a kind of a disconnect in terms of recruitment, and so you know, you're either you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. But if you try to be uh, amenable to players that are going to the NHL, and then you end up short, and all of a sudden. You know, something when you expect it's going to be there for three years, jumps out a year or two early, and uh, and then you're you're going to be caught short, and, and the talent is not there. You don't hear much about the transfer portal in, in the hockey, and I think the hockey teams these generally take a lot of their direction from the NHL and what the uh, what they're looking for in terms of uh, talent and things like that. But uh, I think one thing that's going to have to be considered strongly, and I've heard different reads on it, whether it's something doable or not doable, is the change of the size of the rink. From what I understand, is a lot of the, uh, the, the recruitment based on that is 
they don't want to go to the professional style, the excuse me, the international style rink. That was the way everybody was kind of moving when we put that uh, in the, at the coal center. It was generally 100 by 200 or 97 mm-hmm. by 200 instead of 85 by 190 or 200, and so there's a difference in there. And I think that hopefully that's been some kind of discussion with regards to. Uh, the uh, the new person Mike coming in is going to be talking about that because it's time to bite the bullet on that. I think it's a more exciting game, a bigger rink. Unless you have perfect talent for that, uh, it only happens in in home home uh, events. It's not the same kind of rink advantage when you go to somebody else's playing in a smaller rink. You got bigger guys. There's stuff to get them moving around. This is a little big rink makes it a little bit. Uh, easy to move but on a small rink your quickness is much more important and and you generally see these teams that come in here and and with a little bit like a bunch of gnats you know just buzzing all over the place <laughs> and you're quick and minnesota's done that well and i think that they're my understanding is that they're changing their rink back to um, this to the nhl size and so they see that and i think that that's certainly important when you start thinking about the season ticket base and making excitement and enthusiasm and sure they want to be successful but they want to be competitive initially and hopefully that's something that mike has uh, talked to them about is is trying to work towards making a change in that size of their rink that's interesting pat richter show 100.5 espn in wisconsin on demand jesse nelson in for alex Strofe, along with former badgers athletic director pat richter here with you saturday morning on 100.5 espn so yeah a lot for uh, coach hastings to consider as he takes over this job but pat overall what is it that you think is the number one thing if you had to circle one thing on on the list of things to do if you're coach hastings that you want to try and get wisconsin men's hockey back to that national championship caliber level program and you know it's a it's a program that so many alumni in madison are so proud of and want the team to be so good and competing uh, in now it's a Big Ten championship every year and getting into the NCAA tournament and making deep runs. What is the number one thing if you're Coach Hastings, who is a proven winner in his 25 years in college hockey, including the last 11 at Minnesota State, that you're circling and saying, that's what I need to do right away to get this team back to its winning ways? Well, I think he's been on the on the competitive side of things against Wisconsin. and He's competing in in recruitment or in competition and games and things like this. I mean, we hope that he's got, and I expect that he would have an opinion as to saying, this is what's missing there. This is Maybe it has to do with recruiting. It has to do with uh, people that are maybe maybe four-year players that are that are not uh, big uh, big uh, ice rink guys. And, uh, and I think that the, where his recruiting base if in fact he has, where has he bumped up against Wisconsin in terms of the people they've been recruiting together against each other in terms of uh, who would be Wisconsin? There's only so much you can do as a person, you know, because, I mean, Tony was a, a, quite a figure in terms of uh, is that an attraction to come to Wisconsin? So Mike Hastings is going to be Wisconsin. He has to bring the positive things that he had at uh, Minnesota State and uh, what was that? It was a recruiting base. Maybe it was Canada. And maybe that's something that he's got to be doing a little bit more uh, aggressively with, than, with, than was his previous staff. 
And I think that then he's got to surround himself with good good people in terms of staff that are willing to go out and recruit on the road, be in Canada, be overnight, travel a lot. Generally, that's a young guy's uh, profession, and uh, and that has to happen because you got to pound it. They used to talk about Grant Stanbrook, and he was a great recruiter in Canada. People say they would be they'd be traveling all times of the years, and they bump into him in an airport, someplace or at a train station. I mean, he just <laughs> was tireless, and that's what you have to do. And I think that uh, you know, so to be successful, take the things that he's done there, and some some are going to be uh, sure sure to be implemented at Wisconsin. Some maybe not because they are different institutions, and that's going to be important. And he's going to have to. There's going to have to be. Uh, uh, real accommodation in terms of making sure that you understand the academic rigor of the state of Wisconsin. It's a two-season sport. Football is one season. It's in the fall. But in hockey and basketball, you've got two seasons. You have to make sure of eligibility and things like that. And so he's going to have to tweak some things, but I think he's certainly got a, probably an idea of what it would take because of what he's seen thus far over his 20-some years in college coaching. Yeah, excited to see not only what Luke Fickle does with the football program in his first year, but what Mike Hastings is able to do taking over the Wisconsin men's hockey program next year as well. Big year of transition. We'll see how it goes for both of those respective coaches with their respective teams. The Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN at Wisconsin On Demand. Again, Jesse Nelson in for Alex Strofe today, along with the former Badger Athletic Director, Pat Richter. Uh, coming up next, we've made it this long in the show, Pat. We haven't talked to Aaron Rodgers yet. Congratulations to us. Job well well done. We will talk a little bit about the state of the Packers as uh, this week winds down and still no trade on the books for the Packers and Jets. Also, I know Pat's a big baseball fan and opening day has come. The home opener for the Brewers coming up on Monday, but the season is underway in Chicago. We'll talk about that. The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. I got some good friends that live down the street. Got a good looking woman with her the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app in Wisconsin On Demand, in the ESPN Madison Studios. My name's Jesse Nelson, in for Alex Strofe, making me your cousin sub of the day, cousin subs. We believe in better, along with former Badger Athletic Director Pat Richter. Uh, we've talked plenty about the Badgers throughout the first three quarters of our show here this morning, Pat. So quickly, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things going on around the pro ranks. It's an exciting time in the Wisconsin sports landscape. Uh, opening day has come. The Milwaukee Brewers shut out on opening day at Wrigley Field. Not exactly how you draw up game one of the season, but uh, always fun. I know you're a huge baseball fan, and for baseball season to be underway, the pitch clock is here. The uh, extra large bases are here. A lot of fun rule changes, uh, and a lot of fun always to get the baseball season started. I was glued to it yesterday, even with the tough result for the crew. Uh, how excited are you this time around for the start of the new baseball season in 2023? excited about it. I guess I like a little bit of a change of scenery. It just seems like the Cubs every year are just as uh, a killer, you know, in terms of uh, getting off to a good start. Yeah. We found out the last couple of years that no matter what, when the game is played, they're all important. That comes out of the season, all of a sudden you're looking for one more victory just to make it work, and then you say, well, what happened back in the opening day or opening week or whatever? I think that's something that uh, everybody has gotten a little bit more attuned to, in fact, in terms of 
making sure that the their preparations are done right, and that's something that you know in terms of uh, the rotation and things like that. And Stroman was a very effective player. I think he's kind of a kind of a little bit of a wild card in terms of up to this point in time, but he uh, he certainly mowed him down. And uh, I think certainly maybe some growing pains here with respect to. It being a little bit more of a younger ball club on the, on the Brewers' perspective, but uh, I think the main thing is it's just I think we're in the past we've kind of said well you, know, you can make a run at it towards the end of the season. Main thing is then get some of those early games when people maybe are not right, they're not uh, 100% in terms of pitching and whatever, and they got short short leash on them so to speak, and. Uh, Get those, get those victories put away. I think it was two or three years ago. They had a great run up in the front, and boy, they, they all of a sudden you have to work off of those things. Mm-hmm. In the middle and the late part of the season, you make some losses, but it was it had a cushion and it really helped a lot. So uh, it's tough to get shut out the first uh, game of the season, and uh, you know hopefully you'll do better uh, the rest of the way in the week, but. Uh, I think that uh, this is going to be an important year for a lot of guys in terms of I think Yelich is going to be very important for him in terms of getting back on track and uh, some younger players and Corbin Burns, you know, whether or not his mental frame of mind is is intact given all the scuffing up in the offseason with respect to mediation and things like that, arbitration. So it's going to be an interesting year, but hopefully they get off because uh, it's going to be very difficult with the the Cardinals and uh, their their team and uh, and they've got a little bit of a tough start as well. So now is the time to make some hay, and hopefully they'll be much better towards the end of the week. Yeah, I'm hoping that they are able to get things going in this prove-it year of 2023. New leadership at the top with the general manager and all the different changes that have gone on. Curious to see how the season will play out for the Milwaukee Brewers. And meanwhile, while we're talking about young players, no news on the Aaron Rodgers front yet this week, but let's talk Packers for just a moment because a lot of the conversation this week on ESPN Wisconsin has shifted a little bit, not just about Aaron Rodgers and what his demands are and what he wants from this trade, but now starting to look ahead to what Jordan Love could be as the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. We saw at the NFL owners meetings earlier this week, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers, and head coach Matt LaFleur, weighing in on what Jordan Love could mean as the starting quarterback of the team, including Matt LaFleur saying to temper expectations for Jordan Love, that he's not going to be you know, the, the Hall of Fame quarterback that Packers fans may be used to seeing over the last 30 years, but progression and development seems to be the theme that we're hearing. Uh, Pat, as, as we talk about the state of the Packers this week, and again, it could change in a couple of days or hours. Uh, what do we think of Jordan Love and, the, and that tempering expectations type commentary that we're hearing from some of the leaders of that team? Well, I, it's nice to say tempering expectations, but that's unrealistic. I mean, I think everybody's going to expect the minute he hits the field, it's going to be uh, number 12 all over again. And uh, and I think that's just bound to happen. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I think that, uh, you know, you spent three or four years, uh, almost a, a whole college career backing up uh, Rodgers and understanding and sucking up a lot of that information. And uh, all of a sudden you take off. And uh, and it's it's going to be really difficult. I don't think there's any question about it. I think we found it in, the, in the really a reality of all the fact is 
really depends on what, in large part, what you've got surrounding you, what kind of line you've got, what kind of protection you're going to get. Certainly, the thing that uh, you're going to see from visiting or opponents is going to be they're going to play a big rush on him, just to make sure that they can see what they can they can poke at in terms of uh, weaknesses, in terms of getting after him, in terms of uh, blitzes and things like this. I think they'll be throwing everything at him, and I think that this is it's unfortunate, but I think every little little wart that shows up is going to be expanded on and, the, and really focused on, and, and it's going to be unfortunate. But I think we've kind of made the bed and going to lie in it, and I think there's an awful lot of reputations riding on this in terms of uh, due to Kunst and uh, maybe Lafour. And uh, tempering expectations, I don't think either. people are not going to listen to that. Uh, they don't They don't want to wait. Uh, they're going to be wanting to make sure that you're in the mix, you're going to beat the Bears, you're going to beat the Vikings, and do that things right. those things right away rather than expect to say, well, he's just going to take a little bit of time. I think that everybody feels that the time is up and now's the time to perform, and tempering that is not going to work, I don't think. But uh People are people are anxious and people are they're hurry up and get be be on the winning side of the equation and everybody wants them to do that and it's going to be very difficult to do but uh, I think that's just human nature and that's going to be part of the package. Yeah, no doubt about that, and I think that's excellent insight that you know we can say all those types of things, but once the season gets here, I think we're going to be singing a different tune come training camp in July. Uh, we never have to temper our expectations when we catch up with you, Pat Richter. Uh, always a pleasure. This is probably the last time as this show has just a couple of episodes remaining that uh, I may be able to do this with you for a full hour, Pat, so I appreciate the time as always. I appreciate every time you're welcoming me here in as a sub, whether it was in the older days when Jim was hosting with you or uh, even more recent times when, when Alex has been in, but always a pleasure catching up and hearing your insight here on ESPN Madison. So thank you so much for the time for having me on your show here this morning to, uh, to talk with you. Thanks, Jess. I really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, Pat. That's Pat Richter, former Badger Athletic Director. My name's Jesse Nelson. Alex Strofe is net back in next week. This is the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand.